I'm in Luke chapter 13. We're going to read the first nine verses together. Uh, Jesus still speaking. He says, now there, uh, it says, now there were some present at that time. They, they told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And what that means is they were in church and they were worshiping. And, and uh, Pilate sent people in and killed them in an act of worship. It'd be like if we were having communion this morning and, and somebody bust in and, 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 and there's a, there, there a massacre. And our blood was spilled on the communion cups. I mean, it was, it was tragic. It was terrible. And so people come to Jesus and say, like, like, what happened with those guys, those Galileans? They were killed in the, the, the act of worship. Uh, and Jesus replies, Jesus answered verse 2, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Suffering, that's an important word. You might want to underline that. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told them this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but, it didn't, but he didn't find any. And so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, uh, that's the vine dresser, by the way, he says, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this, this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the good soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Several things I want to share with you this morning. I'm going to try to do four, okay? I'm going to be weary of time. We run short. I'm just filling in the blanks on number four, okay? I want to focus on these first three, make sure we get them in. But the first thing I want you to understand this morning, guys, according to our text is this, ready? We are all extremely sinful. We are all extremely sinful. Verse 1 says that uh, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Okay, And, and, and so, so basically, there's some there when Jesus is speaking, some in the crowd, and they decide to bring up a recent tragedy. They decide to bring up a recent tragedy and ask Jesus. And their question is basically simple. Their question is this. What on earth did those people do wrong? What did those Galileans do that was so bad that God allowed them to face such a tragic death? What sin did they commit that was so great that God allowed them to suffer such a terrible end? That's the question that, that's being asked. You see, and, and friends, that is a question that cuts to the very core of, of our theology, of what we think about God, about sin, and about suffering. The, and I'm not just talking about, about you know, uh, suffering in a terrible event. I'm talking about the daily suffering that goes on in our world today. You know, that's one of the greatest roadblocks to faith, is, is, is the fact that God is all-powerful, and yet there is suffering in the world today. What is your theology, what are your thoughts about God demand in response to sin and to suffering, to God's goodness and to God's power? That, 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 that's important, right? And, and, and so it, it basically be like this. And guys, our world is full of suffering. I, I don't know if you read this week. You read 70 Seventy-four bodies washed ashore in Libya. Seventy-four bodies washed ashore in Libya. All at one time. They, they had body bags all out on the beach. Seventy-four people. They believe over 150 people were on a, a boat. It was a raft of some sort trying to escape and get to Europe. And they believe that all of them died. 
Somebody might read that headline and ask Jesus today, Jesus, did you hear about the 150 people that tried to flee to Europe and, 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 and starved to death and drowned to death and were eaten by sharks? Did you hear? Like, like, what did they do to deserve such tragedy in their lives? What kind of sin did they commit, Jesus, would be the question. Jesus would answer that person the same way that he answers the person here in our text, that their sin... It was no greater than yours. Actually, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus actually says, your sin is every bit as great as theirs. It's easy to read the passage and say, well, well, well you know, yeah, their sin was no greater than yours. That's the comfortable way. That's actually not how it reads. It actually reads like Jesus says, I'm, I'm telling you, your sin is every bit as great as, as theirs. The point that he's making, friends, is all sin is horrible. All sin is horrible. All sin is is great. And, and, and if people don't repent, this is the point, if people don't repent, their end is going to be just as terrible. Actually, it's going to be worse, okay? So, so you say, well, what, wait a second. When Jesus says that, does he mean that everybody's going to die a, a, a tragic death? That's not what he means. He's talking about the tragedy after death, by the way. And listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 21. Talk about tragedy. It says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the unrepentant, right? The vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all the liars, they're going to be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That's the second death. That's tragedy, folks. That's what, what Jesus, when he talks about perishing, he's talking about e- eternal, it's, it's terrible. Matthew, uh, he says this in Matthew uh, 13, this is how it's going to be at the end of the age. The angels are going to come and they're going to separate. We talked about that separation last week. Jesus said, I, I haven't come to bring peace, but division. He came to separate the, the repentant, the humble from the unrepentant, the prideful, the sheep from, from the goats. It says the angels are going to come and they're going to separate the wicked from the righteous and they're going to throw them into the wicked, into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's reality, friends. That's not comfortable, but that's reality. You want to get a little more uncomfortable? Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 16. Now, now I, I get it. Like, like in modern day culture in church, we don't talk about this place called hell. That's not comfortable, right? And so we live our very comfortable lives and we don't have to worry about other people because we don't actually worry about where people are heading. But listen to this in Luke chapter 16. It's tragic. We talk about a tragic end. Uh, verse 19, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and, and he lived in luxury every single day. That, that, he must have been American. And at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, probably American too. No, maybe he's from a third world country. You know, where people are really hungry. We drove the other day, driving to go meet my mom. It's like, you know, the kids had eaten like lunch at noon. It was getting late. It was like 6, 6.30. Their stomachs were starting to growl and hurt and cramp. We're telling him, you don't even know. It's a rich man lived in luxury. He had everything he ever needed. And there was a poor man. I mean, really poor. Not, not the way we define poor. You know, he didn't have a cell phone. No government aid. And this poor man was a beggar. And I don't mean one that we think begs and, and yet lives in a real nice house, you know, those guys. Which, by the way, I would challenge you, I don't think many of those men do. This guy was a beggar, beggar. And he was begging for scraps off a man's table. He wanted what the dogs would eat. 
Like, like just read, read, read the text. This man lived in luxury, and at his house laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and he was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, stuff that hit the floor. And the dogs came, and they licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died, and he was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger. Right? Get, get this. This rich man would have nothing to do with Lazarus in life. He would have nothing. He, he wouldn't want to touch this unclean beggar. And yet here he is in hell and he is tormented so bad that he is like, Father Abraham, would you please just send Lazarus to dip his dirty finger in water and cool my tongue? So he called, Father, have pity, send Lazarus, dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Friends, that is the reality of what happens after judgment for those that have not repented. Here's what Jesus is saying. I don't want you to miss it. Ready? The most urgent matter before every man. The most urgent matter before every man is his own sin. We are all extremely sinful. It's Romans 3.23, right? All have sinned. All of us. We are all extremely sinful. And unless we recognize our, our sinful nature and repent, that means, that means to turn from it, to turn from our sinful nature and to turn to Jesus. Unless we do that, the Bible says we will all face a terrible, terrible end. See, guys, tragedy in the world shouldn't surprise us. You know what should surprise us? Grace. What should surprise us is that we are all not facing terrible tragedy because of what we've done and because of who we are. That's the shocking thing. The fact that God has provided us with another moment, another breath, another day. In the parable, it was another year. Right? That's the surprising part of the text. God still gives us a chance to repent. I, I want to put it this way. And, um, and so... Uh, Anybody like just some, somebody that's blunt or direct? Anybody like that every once in a while? Anybody ever need somebody to be blunt in their life? I'm that guy, right? Just, she would just tell, right? So I'm going to say this, like, is loving, but just as direct as possible. Ready? According to the Bible, there is no such thing as an innocent person. None. According to the Bible, right? There is no such thing as a good person. None. So the question before us, right, this, this, this question, why do bad things happen to good people, is completely misleading. Because there are no good people. We are all extremely sinful. I love what John Piper says when he looks at this passage. It's really, really good. He says... Uh, these people are looking um, at these tragedies in life. And, and, and their question to Jesus is basically this. What, what sin did these people commit? He, he, he's saying the sin that they committed must have been 
extraordinarily horrible. Must have been extraordinary. That's their assumption to Jesus. The sin that those Galileans committed must have been extraordinarily horrible. And he says, you know what Jesus' response is? No, their sin was just ordinarily horrible. Because all sin is horrible. All sin is horrible. Okay? So we've got to start here um, with this, this truth. And, and I think it just demands a, a warning. Uh, verse 3. And, and, and listen, I say this to you out of complete love. If you're here today and you have, you, you, you're, you're here today and you have never, ever turned from your sin and turned to Jesus as Savior. Okay? You've, you've never done that. You're aware of it. You know. You've been kind of putting it off. You've been kind of ignoring. I, I, just, I, I think you need, to, you need to pay attention to verse 3. I say that to you in love. Listen to what verse, uh, Jesus says in verse 3. He says, I tell you no, but get this here. This is for you. This is the warning for you today. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. You've got to heed that warning. You've got to hear that warning. Ah, I, I, it, it's, it's not my joy to be the messenger today, but you need to heed that warning. Okay? Uh, that's heavy, but it is absolutely true. Jesus came to cause division. He came to cause separation. Separation of the repentant from the unrepentant. Okay? And we're in that time. We're in that age. Okay? So number two, I want to share this with you. It's really important. I want you to see that repentance is the only way to be ready to meet God. Repentance is the only way to be ready to meet God. And so uh, these people come to Jesus and... uh, and somebody in the crowd asked him about a, a current tragedy. And it's interesting because they, they only bring up one tragedy. And then Jesus lists a second tragedy uh, that, that he chooses to talk about. He goes, oh yeah? You want to know about the Galileans? Did you, what about the 18 that died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Did you hear about that? Like he, he brings up another tragedy. Why does Jesus do that? Is he just kind of pointing out the fact that these are, these are tragedies? They were unexpected? And it certainly could be that. But what do those two things have in common? Think about this with me. Okay, a tower is a place of refuge and strength, isn't it? A tower is typically a place that you run. I mean, we've been reading the Psalms for crying out loud. God is our strong what? Tower. I take refuge in Him. I, I run to Him. So there's a tower. What is a sanctuary? What does sanctuary mean? Look at the politics today. Sanctuary, it's a place that you're safe. It's a place that these are both places that you're supposed to be safe. And it's as if our Lord and Savior is saying, listen, men, there is nothing that you can build that will save you from the day of judgment. There is nothing that you can build for yourself. There is no safe place when God returns and you better be ready. And the only way that you can be ready is if you settle your account with Jesus by repenting of your sin and turning to him as Savior. That is it. That is it. Listen, there is a demarcation here in this text. There is a line that is drawn in the sand here in this text. And that line at Judgment Day always has to do with are they repentant or are they unrepentant? That is the sheep from the goats. It is always about repentance. And so what is repentance? The picture, friends, is is basic. It's a military term that somebody is walking in one direction and it is a complete about face. And so I'm, I'm pursuing myself. I'm pursuing my sin. I'm rejecting God. I'm even rejecting the feeling in my heart over what I know is right and what I know is wrong because we all have that feeling God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. And so I'm pursuing myself, my, my selfish desires. I'm following the ways of the world. And somehow God gets a hold of my heart. It's always got to start with him. It's never going to start with me. God's going to get a hold of my heart. He's going to bring it to my attention that I am indeed rejecting him and living for self. And somewhere along those ways, he's going to call me back to himself. And so repentance is literally when I turn from my sin. But is it just having my back to my sin? The answer is no. 
It's not just turning from sin, it's also turning to Jesus and walking and pursuing after Him. We called it an exchange last week, and that exchange looks like this, okay? It's not just giving Jesus your sin. That's the gospel that many of you heard because you were raised in a church like this in a different age, and it was just, you just got to ask Jesus into your heart and give Jesus your sin. Friends, that's half the gospel because it's not just giving Jesus your sin, it's about giving Him yourself. Jesus says, you've got to take up your cross daily. Daily, you've got to die to yourself and you've got to follow me. The gospel's not about just saying, Jesus, here's my sin, I'm sorry, and then sitting there never following him. It's about pursuing him and pursuing him is tough. And if you pursue him, life's going to be hard. And if you pursue him, it's not going to be easy. And there are going to be times that you feel like quitting. And you know what? If you pursue him hard enough, you will fall. You will, but he knows you will. And he's going to lovingly come to you and, and, and bandage your wounds and get you up. And he's going to put you back on that path. But eventually you've got to learn to walk again. And, and, and faithfully, as you build up your strength, you'll start running again for him, right? But it is this pursuit. And so we give Jesus our sin and ourself. Say, God, here's my desires. Here's the things that I want. Here's the things that I'm living for. You can have them all. And then we take from Jesus his sacrifice. That's his perfect life. That's called righteousness so that we can stand before God who is holy. Without it, we can't. So we take from God his sacrifice, his righteousness. But we also take from him his mission. He's come to seek and save those that are lost. That has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about for point number three. Ready? Here we go. Third thing you've got to see. We must keep the perishing before us. We must keep the perishing before us. I've got to wrap up. I want you to hear the weight of the words uh, that Jesus speaks here in, in verse 3. And then again in verse 5. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all. You may want to underline this. that You too will all perish. You will all perish. All. All of the people. All of them all of the parents, all of, of the teenagers, all of the children, all of your neighbors, all of your co-workers, all of the people that you go to school with, all of the people that, 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 that you interact with as your kids play sports in our community, all of them will perish if they do not repent. Write it down. All of them will perish If they don't repent. And friend I'm here to tell you. If you have not repented yet. That includes you too. The young lady that bagged my groceries. Last week. The man at the gas station. Behind the counter. The sweet older lady that waited on my table. The parent I sat next to. At my son's soccer game. All of them. Will perish. If they do not repent, unless they turn from their sin and turn to Jesus as Savior, they will meet a terrible end that never ends. A terrible end that never ends. So I want, I want to do this. I want to ask you a question, but before I do, I need you to do something for me. So I'm going to ask you a question, uh, but before I ask you this question, I want you to do me a favor and pull out your calendar. So ladies, if you have a planner, go ahead, bust out the planner. They're pretty and awesome and you're all organized. If it's on your phone, just pull out your phone for a moment. Pull out your phone. I want you to open up the calendar. And I want you to, I, I want, you have to be able to see what's coming. So your event planner or whatever, okay? I want you to look through everything that was on your calendar last week for a moment. Look at all the commitments you had. I want you to look at all the interactions that you had, all the things that you had to do. Everything with work related, everything school related, everything kid related, everything family. Look at everything you had to do in your calendar last week. Okay, now I want you to scan ahead to next week. It's, it's Sunday. Monday's coming. 
We're, we're about to have another week that we're full of things. Now, as you look at these things, these commitments, I have to ask you this one question. Are any of the things that you have to do, are any of the things that you have to do, any of the things on that calendar, are any of the things that you have to do more important than the salvation of one soul? Are any of them? And, you know, we can say no, but we don't act like that's the case. That's my point, friends. Look at our lives. What are we doing? How many people are ready for Jesus to come back? They'd like to go to heaven. Anybody? Right? Right? Okay. Yeah. So what are we doing? He's told us what to do. He's like, listen, you've got to go make disciples. And yet people around us are perishing. They are dying and spending an eternity. The Bible says an eternity in hell. That's what happens to anybody that doesn't repent. And yet here we are with our calendars that are so busy of things that are of no importance. The things that drive our lives are not kingdom related. The things that we choose to live for are not about Jesus. They're about us. We've got to confess that. If you can't confess that you're selfish, then who are we and where are we? If you can't confess that your priorities are messed up, then then, then maybe this isn't church. But I thought this is a place, right? And it's not our church. It's every church. Every Christian I know for the most part would tell me they'd look at their life and they'd say, I'm too busy. I've got too many commitments. And, and, And that same question hangs over all of their commitments too. Are any of these commitments more important than one single soul coming to know Jesus as Savior? And the answer is no. We have to keep the perishing before us. That has to, that is the commission. That is the mission of God, seeking and saving the lost. What did we exchange? We exchange our sin and ourself for Jesus' righteousness and his mission. We've got to keep the perishing before us. Now listen, you say, Pastor, I've got to quit my job. No. Do you know that the things that are going on in your life, some of them, there are some you need to cut out. I'm not going to lie. But you know that many of the pursuits in your life, God's intent is that through those pursuits you would meet people so that you could make disciples. Now we add a whole lot to that. There's a lot of stuff we could cut out. Friends, I'm just here that we've got to keep the perishing before you. Now listen, I don't have time for number four. I'll just give it to you quickly. Fill in the blank. Feel good about it. Ready? Don't let God's patience lull you into laziness. This is about that parable. Right? A tree. Now, it's a fig tree. It's not a three-year-old fig tree. It's a, it's a fig tree that for three years was of already age to start producing fruit, and it's not produced any fruit. And the guy that owns the vineyard is like, that's it. It's wasting soil. Like, there are other things that could be producing, right? And the vine dresser is, is like, no, 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 no. Let me do, let me do some work on it. We're going to give it another year, okay? Listen, don't let God's patience lull you into laziness. We talked about this the other day. God is not slow as we understand slowness, but he's patient with us not wanting anyone to perish. We have a job to do. He's also patient with the repentant. Some people here today, maybe you're thinking, I don't need to get right with Jesus today. I've got plenty of time. Can you guarantee that, friend? I can't. I can't guarantee that. Okay? Don't let God's slowness lull you into being lazy. All right? It's a big deal. So let me tell you what I think the Lord's calling people to do because of these passages, okay? Uh, Just two things um, straight up. The first is, is repentance. I think these passages call us to repent. 
Say, who needs to repent? Well, one, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ, um, you've never turned from your sin and turned to Jesus, this is for you today, right now. Right now. This is for you today. Let today, the Bible says today, let today be the day of your salvation. Today. Say, how do I do that? Very simple prayer. Hey, God, it's me. My life is messed up. I'm pursuing me. I'm pursuing stuff. And I hate it. And I'm empty. And I need you. Take control of my life. Bam. There you go. I'm going to follow you. Okay? It's that easy. There's no magic words. It's just something along those lines. Um, So repentance. But, But friends, do you think that only the people that don't know Jesus are the ones that need to repent today? How does that look at your calendar? How does that look at your priorities? Any, any Christians in the house this morning say, yeah, I, I got a little bit to repent of. Okay? So, so, so repentance, it's for all of us, right? It's for all of us. Take up your cross daily, all right? I got to be honest, I didn't do so good yesterday. What a great day, right? I mean, I've had better days, you know, yesterday. Some of you have had better mornings, amen? Right? I, I won't ask you to tell me who fought on their way to church this morning. We're not going to have that conversation. But some of you did, I know. You probably have kids, I know. I know how that works. Yep. First, repent. Number two, just remember the perishing. Remember the perishing. How, how do you keep something like that before you? Okay? So the Israelites were really good. Um, God would have them write things. Uh, and, and sometimes they'd attach it to your forehead. And, and they took it seriously, like put boxes and stuff. Um, not so much, but write it on your doorpost. Put like a memory verse before you. Maybe this is your memory verse right here. Right? Luke 13, 3. But I tell you, unless you repent, all of you will perish. Maybe, maybe you just put that before you. Uh, maybe you do this. Maybe you're tech savvy. Some of you are tech savvy. Rename your calendar on your phone, perish. Every time you open perish to add something, it's going to make you think, right? Maybe you go in every day and you can put an event for the day. It's an all-day event. You can still schedule other events. It'll tell you there's a conflict every time. It's a little pain in the neck. But anyway, it, it can still work. Every day you have an event. Repeats every single day. Remember the perishing. Remember they're perishing. Remember they are perishing. Just keep the perishing before you. There's a lot of stuff we're going to do in life, right? We, we've, we've gone to school. We've trained in certain jobs. We all have opportunities every single day to do things. If all of those opportunities are not focused on that, then we're wasting our time. Then we're not on mission. We can lie to ourselves and tell ourselves we're, on, we're not on mission if everything we do, that doesn't hang over it. Baseball okay? Yep. Track okay? Yep. Gymnastics okay? Yep. Is golf okay? Absolutely. Right? So all those things are okay? They, they are if... That banner hangs over those things. Use the opportunities that God gives you to be a minister of reconciliation. That is your mission. That is your mission. May it be said of us that we're going to do it. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Um, Not an easy word to receive, Lord. Not an easy word to receive. God, over the next few minutes, would you just work by the power of your spirit to do what only you can do? to bring about a genuine change inside of us. Uh, Lord, we ask that, we pray that in your holy, powerful, and precious name. And uh, all God's people said, amen.